You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. The things that we say about other people, the equivalent of this could be the times in our conversations when we criticize other people unduly, we actually cut off a piece of a man's character, even as the way that David cut off a hem of the king's garment, or influence for good, or their standing in the esteem of others. So be careful, guard your words, especially as it relates to the things that we say about other uh, people. You might have a wealth of opinions about the current administration and how you think it's right or wrong with the policies they're putting into place. But when it comes down to it, are you seeking to honor God by being respectful of the people God's put in authority over this nation? It's a bit of a heart check today as you listen to Pastor Mike relate this to David's time and how he dealt with a king who was trying to kill him. Despite that fact, David still had regard for the king and honored him. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 24 as he begins his message, Confidence in God. Samuel chapter 24. So open your Bibles there. The title is Confidence in God. Uh, And also I want to mention, uh, you know, um, we've extended our ministry now and we're also heard not only on the bridge here throughout the metropolitan area, but also on Hope FM that reaches down to southern New Jersey and up into Philadelphia and also in Baltimore, Maryland. And I suspect that there are some people who are watching our streaming uh, service who will never attend our service because they live in Baltimore or Philadelphia or whatever, but they're watching our service online. So if you would, those of you who are, if you just shoot us an email at harvestnyc at verizon.net and let us know that you are watching, that would be a great encouragement uh, to us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship Manhattan. So I appreciate it if you could just take the time out to do that, okay? All right, so with that said, let's go ahead and set up this Bible study for you. Let's back up a little bit as a reminder. Remember last time, Saul, the king of Israel, had gathered together a company of men to track down our hero, who is David, to kill him. Saul at this time is absolutely convinced that there is this conspiracy, uh, this movement to remove him as king. And he thinks that David is behind this. Well, anyway, with the assistance of the men of Ziph, remember last time, in the previous chapter, uh, there in chapter 23, 
who served as Saul's scouts, you know, tracking David down, knowing the area where David was hiding. Notice there in chapter 23 and verse 26, we are told that David is found. Saul proceeds then to surround him and his men. It looks as if it is lights out for David when all of a sudden a messenger appears upon the scene. Notice according to verse 27 of the previous chapter, with the news that the Philistines have invaded the land, the enemies of Israel. Now this was really God's intervention. Remember the title of the message was the interventions of a sovereign God. And we talked about how that God intervenes on our behalf when we find ourselves in trouble, uh, experiencing our own difficulties, coming up against enemies that may be larger than our, ourselves. Once again, the title is The Interventions of a Sovereign uh, God. And so Saul then was compelled, because of this invasion, to give up his pursuit of David to engage the Philistine invaders. And thus, that gave David ample time and his men uh, the opportunity to escape. Okay, so that's where we left off. So with that said, Let's go ahead now and pick up in chapter 24, and let's read the first two verses. So verses 1 and 2. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild Goats. Now, a little bit of background concerning this area known as Engedi. The Engedi Canyon runs westward from the Dead Sea. And today, even, uh, one can still see the good sized creek flowing down the canyon, making the Engedi, with its waterfalls and vegetation, seem more like a tropical paradise than the middle of the desert. One can also see the numerous caves dotting the hills. So this was a great place for David and his men to hide out in the middle of a barren desert. Scouts could easily detest approaching troops. There was plenty of water and wildlife uh, to preserve David and his men, and many caves and defensive positions as well. So just some of the background concerning this area that David was hiding in, known as the Engedi. And so once the Philistines had been driven out by Saul, out of the land, Saul again turned his attention to David. He had learned that David, according to our text, and his men were now at En Gedi, called, notice, the rocks of the wild goats. Well, anyway, taking an elite corpse with them, 3,000 men in all, so quite a large company, he continues his mad campaign to kill David. And arriving at that location, Saul came to the sheep pens, but found no one there, according to verse 3. Let's go on in our uh, text now. Answering the call of nature, in other words, Saul had to go to the bathroom, he enters into one of those numerous caves in that area to relieve himself. And in verse 3, we read, So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs, and David and his men were staying in the recesses of that uh, cave. And by the way, this was no coincidence. Uh, I think that this was all being worked out according to God's perfect plan. 
You say, why uh, would that have been? You know, Saul enters into one of these caves to relieve himself to go to the bathroom, and guess what? David is hiding with 600 of his men in the recesses of that cave. For what purpose? For what reason? Well, it was to test David's character, to see whether or not David would continue to remain faithful uh, to the crown and also trusting in uh, God. He wouldn't put his hand upon Saul. He had ample opportunity at that time to actually kill uh, Saul. But you see, David recognized that Saul was God's anointed. And he knew that it was up to God because he knew that God placed him in that position as king and would also uh, remove him in that position as king. So he's just resting and completely trusting in the Lord. So all of this is taking place actually to prove David's character, and also to see whether or not David would continue to trust uh, the Lord in this particular situation. Now also, something else that I want to draw your attention to. Notice the mention of the sheepfolds. This particular cave was known as and referred to as uh, the sheepfolds by the road. And this would actually indicate, remember the hills were dotted with many caves, but this one particular cave that uh, Saul entered into and it is identified in this way, the sheepfolds, which would have indicated that this was a large uh, cave, which would have been uh, able to shelter flocks of sheep. And not only flocks of sheep, but it was also large enough to hide David and his 600 men uh, as uh, well. And so anyway, taking uh, an elite corp Uh, with him, these 3,000 men, he continues his mad campaign to kill David. Arriving at that location, Saul came to the sheep pens, but found no one there. Answering the call of nature, alone he enters into one of the numerous caves in that area to relieve himself. And Saul had no means of knowing that in the pitch black interior, uh, David and his men lay concealed, and the king is in full view of those in the recesses of the cavern. Now, obviously, uh, Saul had entered into this cave to relieve himself all alone. Now, seeing Saul in such a defenseless position, one of David's men steps forward, and notice he suggests in verse 4, let's read verse 4, then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He could have killed him at this point, but he didn't. So rather, David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's uh, robe. So David's men, in the suggestion, is excited because their lives as fugitives are about to end, that is, if David plunges his sword into Saul, uh, they're probably thinking soon they're going to be installed as friends and associates of the new king of Israel, who of course would have been uh, David. So notice here the suggestion to David, take advantage of the situation and rid yourself once and for all of this determined enemy, Saul, declaring this is the day the Lord 
said to you, I will deliver your enemy into your hand. Quoting some, and notice, take special note of this, quoting as if it was some supposed prophecy. But this isn't anywhere to be found in the scriptures. So what was behind this suggestion? Well, it probably had its origins one evening around the campfire and someone suggesting that the day would come when David could kill Saul. But listen, the truth of the matter is it's just hopeful uh, thinking. It wasn't a prophecy that had come from the Lord. It wasn't a word that had come from the Lord. Just hopeful thinking. Now, as I've already suggested, David could have pounced upon the king, but he didn't. Why? Because he was guided by inner godly uh, principles. And again, this was all about David being tested by God. As I've already suggested, David knew that Saul was God's anointed. And, uh, but there's also something else here. And he wasn't going to put his hand upon God's anointed. He just figured, you know, if God set him up as king, then God, if he so choose, would remove him as king. And again, it speaks volumes of David's trust in the Lord. He's just waiting on God to do what God wanted to do. But there's something else here that I want to draw your attention to as it relates to this particular episode. David shows us how important it is to guard what we hear and believe. Remember the suggestion of his men. Kill David. Pounce on him. Take advantage of this opportunity. So David, not responding to their request or their suggestion, shows us how important it is to guard what we hear and believe. Remember, this was supposed to be a word that had come from God, a prophecy. So what do we take away from this? Well, listen, gang, not everything that you hear that comes across a pastor's pulpit is biblical. It may not be God's counsel. Yes, it might sound scriptural. It might sound logical. But you've got to ask yourself the question, does it line up with God's revealed word? So not just because some supposedly respectable Christian teacher who may have a radio broadcast, uh, might have a uh, large church, just because he said it, you know, don't take it as biblical or gospel. Check it out for yourself. Be like the Bereans that are recommended to us in the book of Acts. You know, they didn't take everything that they heard for granted as being uh, out of the Bible. They searched the scriptures themselves to see if those things were true. So make sure that whatever you hear that flies under the banner of Christianity lines up with God's revealed word in the scriptures. Because if you don't do that, you're going to have some real difficulties and problems. And I'll give you an example of this in just a moment. You see, it would have been so easy for David to plunge his drawn sword through Saul's back. Instead, notice, according to our text, he cut off the hem of the king's cloak. You see, if he would have killed him, if he would have responded, if he would have you know, just thought that, yes, that was the word of the Lord, and if he would have killed uh, Saul, it would have made it more complicated for David to ascend to the throne. Because remember, there were many loyal people uh, who remained so to the king at this time. And, uh, but also, 
there were many who were also loyal to the crown. And so this would have only complicated David's problems and situations for him to ascend to the throne if he took it upon himself to kill uh, Saul as the king of, of Israel. And so, you know, think about that in relationship to your life's experience. You know, you hear something that comes across the pulpit, you hear something you're listening to on a radio program, and you try to apply it to your particular situation and your life's experience, but it's not the word of God at all. And so you put yourself out there, and the truth of the matter is, you know, it wasn't God who was speaking, and it could create all kinds of problems and difficulties for you. It can only complicate your situation. And so how important it is that we know God's word and that we apply it appropriately, right? And uh, again, it just, it, goes, it just goes to show you, we need to appeal to God's word in whatever we uh, hear. Well, let's go back to our text now, verses 5 through 7. Now, it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him. Why? Because he cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, referring to Saul, the Lord's anointed. Isn't that interesting? He's referring to Saul, the guy who's trying to kill him, as his master. But notice, he explains it in this way, because he is the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. And so David restrained his servants who wanted to kill him, with these words, they were angry, actually, with David that he didn't seize the opportunity to kill him and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. And yes, his men were angry, but David restrained them. How? By his explanation and godly behavior. Saul, oblivious to what had just happened, arose, left the cave, and went on his way, not even knowing that at that time David was in the recesses of that cave. Now notice, after Saul left the cavern and descended the hill, David experienced a sense of guilt. Verse 8, David also arose afterward and went out of the cave by himself and called out to Saul, David, what are you doing? Saying, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth, and he bowed down. Okay, now, I'm sure you're probably asking yourself the question, why would David's conscience bother him for cutting off a portion of the hem of Saul's outer uh, garment? And, and by the way, just in case you're thinking, how, did, how was David able to accomplish this? I mean, without... Uh, Saul, even knowing that David had done this, well, probably Saul took off a part of his raiment and placed it maybe on a rock or something and then went into relief himself. And while he went into uh, another part of the cave uh, to do that, you know, David snuck by and, and where the raiment was lying, you know, cut off the hem of it. So it, it doesn't necessarily suggest that the hem was on uh, Saul when David uh, cut the hem of the garment off of him. So just in case you were wondering uh, about that. But anyway, why did David's conscience bother him in his doing this? Well, you've got to understand this culturally. The custom of that day was for a subject to show their submission to a king, 
to bow in a lowly manner, to hold the hem of their sovereign's garment, to speak respectfully to him, and thus, in that way, they signified their loyalty to the monarch. And it was this hem, cut from Saul's garment, that David now held in his hand. And so, in effect, in what David had just done, he was actually in defiance of the king, and also shown great contempt for the crown. Now, the equivalent of that would be, you know, you may not agree with the leaders of our United States of America, but, you know, in the same way, the Bible tells us that God sets up kings and, and uh, exalts nations and, and uh, removes kings and uh, places uh, those who are in authority over us, Right? And, uh, and we're to respect that, and we're encouraged to pray for them. You may not agree with all of their policies, but nevertheless, we are to obey. Uh, that is, when uh, uh, the laws of the land uh, are against God's laws, you know, then we're not under any obligation to, uh, to obey. But we're not to show contempt for our United States of America, are we? There are many of us who don't like some of the things that are going on in and uh, throughout our United States of America uh, today. But we shouldn't uh, show contempt against the United States of America, should we? Right? Uh, this was a nation that was founded upon godly uh, principles. So this was some of the reasons why David's conscience was bothering him in his actions of cutting off the hem of his garment. Not only was he being disrespectful towards the king, but he was also showing contempt for the crown. And uh, so, uh, just a word to the, to the wives here. So that would be a contemporary example of this. And so anyway, David seeks to make amends, and it hurt David to have done this. You know, the equivalent of this would be the times uh, in our conversation and criticism, we act, uh, we act, uh, or we cut off, rather, a piece of a man's character or influence for good or standing in the esteem of others. You know, I, I was just trying to find a, uh, an example of this or an illustration of this or how this would apply uh, to us. And so let me say it again. It hurt uh, David to have done this. The equivalent of this sort of thing, and I want you to think about this, through our words, the things that we say about other people, the equivalent of this could be the times in our conversations, when we criticize other people unduly, we actually cut off a piece of a man's character, even as the way that David cut off a hem of the king's garment, or influence for good, or their standing in the esteem of others. So be careful, guard your words, especially as it relates to the things that we say about other uh, people. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the Resources tab.
Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.